Welcome to the Nimrod Outdoors podcast, where we challenge and equip men, husbands, and fathers to become the spiritual leaders of the home. Let's dive right in. guys, thanks so much for joining in on today's episode. If you want to learn more about our ministry partners, please visit nimrodoutdoors.com and click on the ministry partner tab. From there, you can gain all the access and information you need for our ministry partners. You can also learn more about becoming a ministry partner if you'd like to join in on all the fun. Thanks so much. Today's episode is sponsored by Jill Bodis from Lake Homes Realty. Jill specializes in the Richard B. Russell, Lake Yona, Lake Hartwell, and Clarks Hill Lake areas in both Georgia and South Carolina. We actually purchased our home from Jill. It's a 1910 renovated farmhouse with this amazing wraparound porch and three acres of land. It truly is our dream house, and we get to do everything we need for the ministry from here. So if you're looking to sell or buy, I highly recommend contacting Jill. You can reach her at lakelifetime at gmail.com. That's lakelifetime at gmail.com. Well, what's going on, guys? This is M.A. Dozier with another Nimrod Outdoors podcast. And, man, it has been an awesome week for the Dozers. Um, I got to baptize my daughter, Ridgely. Uh, She's six years old, and she uh, surrendered her life to Christ uh, a couple weeks ago. And uh, so this weekend uh, with uh, family and friends, we got to baptize her. And, man, as, as a dad... Uh, man, I, I am filled up. The Lord has filled my spirit, um, and I am excited to see the walk that Ridgely has in front of her, um, and I'm excited to uh, be with her every step of the way. Um, but really, uh, Ridgely giving her life to the Lord and, and the Lord calling her name and her uh, walking through in believer's baptism um, has brought up some... Uh, you know, they just have simple questions, uh, but these simple questions have deep, deep thoughts that come with them. Um, whether Ridgely knows that she is causing her daddy to run down rabbit holes in his mind or not, um, she asks questions. And because of that, that's what this podcast is going to be about today. Um, but Ridgely gave her life to the Lord, and uh, so we took her to church, um, and I let her sit in service uh, with me uh, one day. Actually, Chelsea and, and our other kids stayed home, and so it was just me and Ridgely going to church, and so I let her sit in service with me, and uh, as we were walking into the doors, she was like, Daddy, I'm so excited. I can't wait to see someone get baptized today, um, and uh, she had not yet been baptized, so it was something on her mind, and she was intrigued and wanting to watch it, and, and I said, well, Ridgely, I, I said you know, someone probably not going to get baptized today. And she said, well, daddy, why not? And uh, my response, immediate response that was coming out of my mouth was, well, someone doesn't get baptized every Sunday. And in that moment, it's like the Holy Spirit just kind of put his hand on me and was like, say that again and really think about it. Um, And so we went inside and I can't even tell you what the sermon was about because I was wrestling eternally um, with this thought, if someone doesn't get baptized every Sunday and how just flippant and how just quick and easy that came out of my mouth. Um, and I was just sitting in service, wrestling, wrestling, wrestling. And I was reminded of the scripture in Acts chapter two, verse 47. Um, and it says that in verse 47, it says, and praising God and having favor with all people and the Lord 
and the Lord added to their number day by day those were who were being saved. Day by day, someone was being added. So that means day by day, someone was being baptized. And man, I just started like wrestling, like, man, how comfortable have I gotten in my walk with Christ that I'm just like, oh, we, we are all good. There's no reason, you know, there's no reason to expect someone to get baptized today because, man, we have done such a good job. But if you look at statistics and you, and you look at uh, the state of the church in America today, those statistics say something totally different than my casual attitude in response to Ridgely. Um, those two things are totally different. And, and, you know, in the 1950s, the American church saw explosion. It saw massive growth. But we're not seeing that today. We're actually seeing more and more people leaving the church. And so it, it really brought up a question in my mind, and this is a question I've wrestled with in my soul, is as the church, are we burdened for the lost to come to Jesus, or are we just burdened to uphold the Christian values, and that's quote-unquote Christian values, that society seems to be throwing away in our culture today? Like, what fight are we truly fighting? Is the fight that we are in is it just merely a distraction from us actually doing what Jesus told us to do, and that is to go make disciples? And so we're going to dive further and further into this today. Um, I'm not telling you I, I have an answer, uh, but it is something that has just been heavy on my soul recently as I look at the state of the church and I look at you know where we should be and what we are called to do as the church. Are we actually doing that? Um, I definitely believe that we are fighting. Uh, we are fighting for what we think is right and just, but are we actually fighting a fight that is the correct fight, or we, have we allowed the devil to deceive us? And so I want to tell you a story um, that uh, kind of will explain and set up my whole podcast today. Um, but when I was back, oh, early married, Chelsea, actually, I started this job before Chelsea and I even got married. Um, and I was a, I like to tell people I was a uh, manager of a sports store. Uh, but in reality, all I really was was a shoe salesman. Um, our store, we called it a sports store, but it just had a little nook of sports stuff. The rest of it was shoes. Now, mind you, it was my, mainly running shoes, but I could fit you in a shoe. I could tell you if you supinated or pronated. I could tell you, you know, if you needed a cushion or a hard sole. You know, I'd say, hey, what, how much running are you wanting to do? Or are you just standing on concrete? Man, I could fit you in a really great shoe. But look, folks, if you look at me, I don't run, okay? That, that's not something I enjoy doing. Uh, I played baseball in college, and so I ran maybe 90 feet, maybe maybe 180 feet. But other than that, you know, if you hit a home run, you, you get the privilege of jogging. And so I don't run. And so it was, it was one of those things where I was a really good salesman, but I didn't fit the bill as far as people, runners walking in, looking at me going, huh? I think you're doing a great job because you look like a runner. Um, so what I did was I hired a guy, a young kid that went to NC State uh, to that was a runner. Uh, I hired him to help me out, and he was one of the employees we had, and uh, he was a great job, did a great job. But his name was Alex, and I can remember I was talking about running marathons. He was like, "Actually, I'm trying to qualify for the Boston Marathon this year," and I was like, "Wow!" I was like, "That's amazing!" and Here's how ignorant I am on running. I, I, I figured, oh, you just sign up and you go run the Boston, Boston Marathon. But no, you actually have to qualify. And so there's a bunch of marathons, smaller marathons that go on throughout the year that either by time or by placement uh, where you finished in your age bracket, 
you qualify to go to Boston. And so um, he was trying his best to qualify to go to Boston. Uh, he was, I think, a freshman or sophomore in college. And so he came to me and he's like, hey, man, he was like, I need this weekend off. Um, I got a, a race. I'm going to go try and um, get my qualification. And I was like, man, that's awesome. I said, go do it. So I held down the store that weekend and that next week he came back and I was like, Alex, I was like, man, did you do it? Did you qualify for Boston? And he just kind of smiled and he was like, no, man. He said, I messed up. And I was like, you messed up. How do you mess up? You're like, you're just running. He goes, well, he said, you know, I was pretty excited. I was pretty jacked up. He said, I knew that I, I was in the good enough shape to make my time to qualify for Boston. Um, he said, but I started looking around at the other racers and he said, I, I found this one racer that um, we kind of were acquaintances, but we didn't know each other that well. But I knew that he had qualified for Boston already. And so I, in my mind, I said, all right, I, I'm going to keep with this guy. I'm going to follow this guy. I'm, I'm going to, you know, keep him in my sights and maybe even I could beat him. And man, that would be even better. And so the race starts and they take off and they get going. And, you know, as you get going through the race, you know, people, you, you start getting gaps and you start, it's not as clustered and, and globbed together. And Alex told me, he goes, one thing about being, you know, a really good runner is eventually the pack gets set where the people in the front are really in the front and it's only a few people. And so he said it got to the point where it was just him and this other guy leading the pack. And, uh, he said, you're running, you're running. And he said, I just was so focused on this guy. And I, I just kept telling myself, I'm like, keep him in my sights. Keep him in my sights. As long as I can follow him, we're going to be good. I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to qualify for Boston. And, uh, you know, as you get going down a marathon, it's a, it's a long run. And so people, you know, people on the sidelines start, you know, dwindling. You don't hear cheering anymore. Um, you're kind of just out there on your own they don't really have a ribboned off you may just get to an intersection there'll be a sign that points to a direction of a turn you need to make he said but other than that there's not really anybody there really keeping you in line of where you need to go and he said it, it all of a sudden it just kind of hit him he was like man he was like I, I i feel like we're not running in the right direction so he kind of stopped and he said hey to the guy in front of him and he looked at and the guy in front of him kind of was like what and he goes man i, I think we've gotten off course um, and come to find out, um, Alex was so focused on this guy in front of him and saying, this is the guy that's going to lead me to <laughs> ultimate victory of, of qualifying for Boston, that that guy wasn't paying attention either. And they had ran almost five minutes off course. Um, and so I didn't know this. I was like, well, why didn't you just run to get back on course? But in marathon running, you can't just like shortcut it and find the course again. You have to come back to where you actually got off course at to finish the course. That's how your official time works. Because even if you accidentally ran off course, if you could make a shortcut to get back on course, that's cheating. So they had to turn around and run five minutes further back to where they actually got off course. So that adds 10 minutes of time to their overall time. And Alex was like, man, he was like, I didn't qualify because my time wasn't good enough. And he said, I was embarrassed. And he said, in reality, he said, what I should have done was just gone into that race saying, I'm going to run my best time and I'm going to stay focused ahead of time. He said, but man, my competitive spirit got a hold of me. And I looked at this guy and I was like, I'm going to stick with him. So really, I just put all my faith in this guy to get me, get me to where I needed to go and to do what I need to do. And he was like, and I just, I got off course. 
And uh, so eventually, if you're wondering, Alex did go to another marathon and him and his dad actually both qualified for the marathon, which is a really cool thing uh, to run for him to run the, the Boston Marathon with his dad. Um, and actually, they they ran the year that the Boston bombings happened. Um, and uh, but I called Alex. I'm like, hey, man, y'all good? And he goes, oh, man, we've been back in our hotel room for a while. Um, and so they were really good runners. I probably wouldn't have been hurt either because I would have been. Uh, sucking wind, you know, way, way back and not even close to the finish line. But um, Alex eventually did make it to the Boston Marathon. But what I found interesting was he said this. He goes, man, I was focused on the wrong thing. And he said, I got off course. So here's a question. Has the American church got distracted in fighting for our rights and privileges instead of fighting for the souls of the lost? Let's sit in that question for a minute. Has the American church got distracted in fighting for our rights and privileges instead of fighting for the souls of the lost? So statistically speaking, this is what's crazy. Um, my pastor uh, at church just this Sunday said a quote, or not a quote, did a statistic. Um, and it just, I know it and, and I acknowledge it, but man, every time I hear it, it just, it continues to blow my mind and maybe this is where I'm I'm my heart is starting to get burdened more and more but our pastor said this he goes statistically speaking if you're 20 years old or less statistically speaking you have a greater chance of never stepping foot in the church yet than actually being at church before so I want you to think about that if if, if someone is 20 years old or less then they are more likely to have never stepped foot in a church. And we're talking about in America, where we like to tout the whole thing of, man, this nation was built on Christian values. Um, and so where, where have we gone wrong? You know, we, we, we have to ask, the, ask ourselves, this fight that I'm in, this good fight that we talk about, this, this fight of pushing forward um, the kingdom of Christ, is it building bridges for others to meet Jesus, or are we building walls to protect the Christian values of the American ideal? You know, I I know there's a fine line here, and I know that some of you are kind of like maybe trying to figure this out. And and I, again, I'm still wrestling with it in my own mind. But the question, let's get to the point of it right here, is when we fight, when we say that we are burdened for the lost, are we truly burdened for the lost? Or are we just burdened to uphold the Christian values that the American dream is built off of? And you may say, well, those are the same thing. They are not. They are not. And we're going to talk about that a little more. But in Hebrews 12, 28, it says this. It says, therefore, let us be grateful for receiving a kingdom that cannot be shaken. What's up? What's up? It's time for that mid-podcast shout out. Today's episode is sponsored by Pure Clean Soft Wash. Pure Clean Soft Wash is a family-owned exterior cleaning company offering pressure washing, house washing, roof, driveway, and gutter cleaning. Find them at Facebook at Pure Clean Soft Wash or online at purecleanga.com. That's purecleanga.com. So we are part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. What an amazing promise that is. So if we believe this promise, then why are we building walls of protection? Why are, we, why are we trying to defend the kingdom of Christ? See, we were never called to defend the kingdom of Christ. We are called to go out and make a difference and claim souls for the kingdom of Christ. We're not called to 
act in defense, we're called to act in offense because we are part of a kingdom that cannot be shaken. And so therefore, the victory has already been won. So here's the answer. If we believe this promise, why are we building walls of protection? Why are we trying to defend the kingdom of Christ? Well, because as an American church, we've become addicted to comfort and the devil has distracted us into thinking that if we uphold Christian values through the voting booth, that we are fighting the good fight when in reality we are off course and we are not making any forward progress in building the kingdom of Christ. See, look at, listen to the statistics. If in the fifties we saw great explosion, but now in the twenties of 2022, we are seeing more and more people vacating the church and the statistic reads that if you're 20 years old or less, there is more likelihood that you've never stepped foot in a church. See, when we decide that we must fight for our rights and privileges as Christians instead of fighting for the souls that Christ went to the cross for, we are ushering people to hell wrapped in the warm comfort of our Christian values. Let me say that again. When we decide that we must fight for our rights and privileges as Christians instead of fighting for the souls that Christ went to the cross for, all we are doing is ushering people to hell wrapped in the warm comfort of our Christian values. See, no amount of law or moral regulation can change the heart of a man, only the redemptive power of Christ. So if we are truly burdened for the lost, are we able to forget about our rights and our privileges in order to save those that are trapped in the darkness? See, are we truly burdened for the lost? Or is this burden that we want to live out, that we want to put a badge of honor on our, shoulder, on our, on our chest for, is it actually just a burden of us trying to uphold the status quo of the Christian values we see here in America. Well, in Romans, Paul kind of addresses this in chapter 9, verses 1 through 3. And Paul says this. He says, I am speaking the truth in Christ. I am not lying. My conscience bears witness in the Holy Spirit that I have great sorrow and unceasing anguish in my heart for for I could wish that I myself were accursed and cut off from Christ for the sake of my brothers, my kinsmen, according to the flesh. So what does Paul say here? He says he has unceasing anguish and that he wished he was cut off from Christ for the sake of his brothers. Is that what we can say? Is that the burden that we actually have in our souls is that we are so burdened for the loss that we, we look out and we see someone and we're like, man, just for them to taste a minute of salvation, just for them to taste a minute of how good God is, I would, I would curse myself for the sake of them. Do we have unceasing anguish? You know, just recently, uh, my sister-in-law got married at Disney World, and the whole family went to Disney World. And man, I haven't been to Disney World since I was like, I don't know, six or seven um, and so a lot of, a lot of that gets remissed on me. And when you're six and seven, it's all awesome. When you're a little bit older, when you're 34 and you're walking through with your kids, man, it is overwhelming with the amount of people. And I'm not just talking about like one type of people, like there is people from all over the world. I mean, just sit on a bench in Disney for five minutes and you will hear multiple different languages. You'll see multiple different family dynamics. You'll see Everything, anything that the that is in this world right now is amazing because you don't have to travel all over the world. You can just go sit on a park bench at Disney World 
and you can you can see it. But man, as I was sitting in line, and and there was there was a um, a Middle Eastern couple in front of us. There was a Chinese couple behind us. Uh, there was a Hispanic couple in line, a couple couple little um, sections up. Uh, there was white couples. There was black couples, and just it's a melting pot. And man, I'm just sitting there, and my mind just starts racing, and I'm just like, man, do these people know Jesus? Are these people going to sit in the salvation of the Lord one day? And man, I, I began to get burdened as I just sat there and just started looking around at all these people of the world. And my question that came to my mind was, do they know Jesus? And statistically speaking, they probably don't. Um, you know, even scripture says that narrow is the gate. But man, my heart was burdened. And, and I was, you know, I almost wanted to start just start witnessing to people. But I know in this day and age, that kind of turns people off. And so I just, I just started praying. I said, Lord, I was like, give them an opportunity to hear of the goodness of you. Um, but man, it go to a place like that where there is a lot, a lot of people and sit there and ask yourself, as someone walks by, just look at them and, and say, do they know Jesus? Do they know what Jesus did for them? And, you know, watch another person go by and be like, man, have they ever heard the good news of the gospel? And I'm, I'm as guilty of this as anybody because I got comfortable in the Christian ideal of I go to church, I walk in, I might invite someone to church every once in a while, but am I really pushing back the darkness? Am I really being a city on a hill? Am I really going after and fighting the good fight? See, as the church, do we have unceasing anguish for the lost? Do we have this great sorrow that Paul talks about for the lost? Let's sit in this question for a minute. Let's genuinely ask this question. Do we have unceasing anguish for the lost? I want, to, I want, want you to do an experiment. I want you to get on Facebook or any social media you have, and I want you to look at what all the Christians on your social media feeds, I want, I want you to look at what they're posting, what they're talking about, um, and, and basically kind of put together a synopsis of what Christians are what's the hot topic in the Christian world today is. Now, after you do that, I want you to ask this question. If you were a lost person and you are seeing the fight that the church and the Christian populace is engaging in today, would you say, man, they genuinely care for my heart? Or would you say, they don't care about me, they just care about their Christian values? See, we have to, as Christians, we have to get our, ourselves in the mindset of someone who is lost. And so if we look at what, what the church is fighting for today, if we look at over the past, oh, 10 years, especially in the last election, if I was genuinely going to ask that question, as if I was a lost person looking out at the Christian church and ask, what are they fighting for? And do they truly care about my heart and soul? Or do they just care about their Christian values? Man, let me tell you what, especially in this last election, I would say that the church ultimately failed because we didn't show any love and compassion to the lost. All we did was bully people into trying to get them to bend our way and to choose our way 
When in reality, we didn't even show them why our way was good. We were just yelling at them. See, the question is, and I just said it earlier, you know, are we fighting for the kingdom of Christ or are we fighting for our rights and our privileges? See, we were never called to defend the kingdom of Christ. We are called to run full force into the darkness with the love of Jesus in one hand and the word of truth in the other and go to war on behalf of those that are lost. See, we were never called to hit them over the head with the truth of the gospel. We are called to run into the darkness and grab them and tell them the goodness of Christ. We are called to get in the trenches with them. We are called to crawl in the muck and the mire and to throw them over our backs and carry them to the feet of Jesus. Instead, we have reserved ourselves the yelling and shaking our fists from the penthouse balconies of our quote-unquote Christian values. See, we have allowed the devil to distract us from the true fight. He has deceived us into making enemies out of those in which we are called to fight for. Look at the Christian church today. Look at the church in America today. How many of y'all have heard someone say, well, those people or those people or man, these people are doing this. Jesus died for quote unquote, those people and these people. We are not called to fight them. We are called to go make them part of the kingdom of Christ. Why are we making enemies out of those who Christ spilled his blood for? Why are we fighting for our rights and our Christian values instead of fighting for the souls of those that Jesus died for? When we talk about rights and privileges, let's go to Matthew and read the account of Jesus right before he was crucified. So in Matthew chapter 26, verses 59 through 63, we see Jesus before the high priest Caiaphas. And it says this in verse 59. 59. Now the chief priest and the whole council were seeking false testimony against Jesus and that they might put him to death, but they found none. Though many false witnesses came forward, at last two came forward and said, this man said, I am able to destroy the temple of God and to rebuild it in three days. And the high priest stood up and said, have you no answer to make? What is it that these men testify against you? And then in 63, it says, but Jesus remained silent. Well, let's move forward to chapter 27. And now this is Jesus in front of Pilate. And it's chapter 27, verses 13 through 14. And it says, then Pilate said to him, "Do, do you not hear how many things have been testified against you? But he gave no answer, not even to a single charge. So the governor was greatly amazed. See, if anyone in history had the opportunity to fight for his rights and what was good and moral, it was Jesus in this moment of time. Why did he not say anything? Why did he not fight for his rights? Because he was being falsely accused. Why did he not fight? Why did he remain silent? It says that he didn't even make an answer to a single charge. Not a single charge. Everything that they said about him was lies, and yet he remained silent. See, Jesus remained silent because the devil wanted him to fight for his rights 
But Jesus was focused at the true fight, and that was for the salvation for you and for me and for the rest of the world. And nothing was going to distract him from that. See, if he had engaged in fighting for his rights, even though everything that they were saying and all everybody testifying against him was bold-faced lies, he remained silent because he knew at the end of the day that was not the fight he was supposed to engage in. The fight that he was supposed to engage in was relinquishing us from the grasp of sin, death, and the grave by defeating it himself. Here's a question that I have to ask myself. Could I have humbled myself to the perfect plan of God and remained silent, or would have I had taken the bait of the devil and fought for my rights? Ask yourself that question. If you were in Jesus' shoes and people were falsely accusing you, if people were telling lies about you, could you have stayed silent for the greater good Or would you have taken the bait of the devil and got involved in talking about your rights and what you deserve in this life? See, I'm becoming more and more convinced as the days go on and as I wrestle with this in my own life. I'm becoming more and more convinced that one of the greatest tactics of of the devil is to deceive the body of believers in such a way that we begin to strive for and define success in a way that has no internal, eternal significance. The question we must constantly ask ourselves is, whose kingdom are we building? Are we building our kingdom? Are we building the American ideals kingdom? Or are we building Christ's kingdom? And the truth of the matter is, if we fight for our rights and privileges, we are building walls instead of bridges. We are taking people that we are called to go after and making them into enemies. And so therefore, we are not building the kingdom of Christ by bringing souls to it. We are pushing souls away from the kingdom of Christ in our attempts to, quote unquote, defend the kingdom of Christ. Church. Can we stay focused on the good fight or are we going to continue to open our mouths and build walls that prevent others from coming to Jesus when we should have remained silent? Now, don't misunderstand me because I'm not against Christian values. Okay, if we have an opportunity to vote on an issue, we should always vote in the way that aligns with the word of God. So hear me clearly. I'm not saying don't vote. I'm not saying don't promote Christian values. I definitely believe Christian values are good in society. But that should not be our main focus. Here's the truth of the matter. When the shouting and the noise of us fighting for our rights and our Christian values drowns out and overpowers our voices for the gospel, we must ask ourselves, are we fighting the correct fight or have we gotten off course? Maybe this is why we are not seeing people being added daily to the kingdom. Maybe, just maybe, we are fighting a fight that has no eternal significance. Let's fight the good fight. Let's stay humble, let's stay focused, and let's keep pressing on. Thank you for joining us today. We hope you enjoyed the message. If you would like to learn more about the ministry of Nimrod Outdoors, 
Find us on Facebook or look us up at nimrodoutdoors.com. We hope you have a great day and we hope to see you next time.